throughout our life, we make all kinds of connections. From our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourself? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Dr. Jan Hill. It's time to listen and learn. Hi, and uh, welcome to Things Worth Considering. Uh, a happy new year to you all. I'm your host, Gord Riddell. And uh, I have before me uh, two wonderful guests um, that I'm going to be introducing to you today. Um, now, just before we get there, I just wanted to say that uh, uh, Jan Hill is not with the show uh, any longer, and I wish her well in her endeavors and the last year that we spent together working together. Um, I do have two powerhouse women. Um, I think they are anyways. They're both graduates of Transformational Arts College. They both have families. They're both moms. And uh, both gave up their careers to return to school, which I think is kind of amazing uh, for all kinds of reasons. So they just didn't follow their intuitive uh, voice and said it was time for a career change. So we're going to be talking about uh, women and their return into uh, not the workforce. They did have careers, but they uh, decided to totally change it and return into school, which is just a huge uh, decision to make because uh, the family and the career kind of gets a lot of weight carrying behind it. So anyway, let me introduce you to guests and they're also my friends. Uh, first, we have Kathy uh, Yu. Uh, she's a graduate of Transformational Arts Spiritual Psychotherapy and Spiritual Direction Program. In addition to starting her own private practice in psychotherapy and in spiritual direction, she also works with shamanic energy. Um, Kathy is a certified Reiki practitioner. She's an intuitive healer with training in pranic healing. Um, and she views healing as an integrated process that looks at the intersection of the mind, body, emotions, and spirit. Sounds like a complete person approach. At least I think so. Uh, she's the mother of uh, four children. Four? You didn't tell me that. And believes firmly in facilitating growth and evolution in individuals with compassion and with respect. Kathy, Welcome. Thank you, Gord. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Good. Good. We're going to talk to you. Four children. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, <laughs> let me introduce you to my next guest is Stephanie Malagis. Uh, she's a certified life coach, a spiritual director, and she's a therapist in training. She believes in healing the past, embracing the present moment, and welcoming possibilities of the future. Uh, she graduated in psychotherapy, spiritual direction, and life coaching at Transformational Arts here in Toronto. Uh, in addition, she's a certified life coach and registered member of the Academy of Modern Applied Psychology. Uh, Stephanie is also the author of this very funny book called Get This Mole From Hell Off My Back. By the way, mole stands for mother-in-law. Um, this is a must-have mother-in-law survival guide. Uh, I just got rid of the mother-in-law, actually. Uh, Stephanie has been married to her husband, Joseph, for more than 30 years and is the mother of two adult sons. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you very much, Gore. Thank you for having me. I'm glad you, you came. Now, one of your sons, actually, is a major world-class uh, fighter. Yes, he's actually a Canadian heavyweight boxing champion. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, congratulations to him. That's a uh, that's really amazing. I know you you showed pictures and and uh, when he was winning his title. Yes, thank uh, you. That was amazing. Yeah. A lot of hard work. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Did you beat him up for a while to teach him how to do it? Uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way to teach children how to fight. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> so, um, both of you um, returned in the middle of a career you just decided that enough already um kathy you have four children what age range 
They go in age from 19 to 32. So the, the younger three are clustered more together. They're 19, 21, and 23. Wow. Um, there's a bit of a break in there as a 32-year-old. How come you're not gray and I am? <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a testament to my keep capacity to deal with stress that I'm actually not gray. My kids even say that, that it's amazing after all we've done to you that you're not actually gray. <laughs> but it's happening. It's soon, I think. It will happen, trust me. Yeah, I went at 26, so I thought I'd, no, I'm not going to even have children. And your two boys are? Two boys, 27 and 29. 27 and 29. Okay, so you're already in the same sort of Very close. Yeah. Safe brackets there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Those are stressful years. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's like, yeah. what do I do when I grow up? Of course, I'm a little bit older. I'm still wondering what I'm going to do when I grow up. Um, I, feel, I feel like as a mother, every year is stressful. We were just talking about yes. that yeah. before the show that, you know, even though our kids are adults, when are we going to be done? Yeah, you know? <laughs> You're never done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, it just keeps, it, it keeps changing. It's like, um, I, I don't think a mother's job ever stops being a mother. No matter, you may quit a career, you may yeah. do that. But anyway, we'll, we'll get into that one in, in a minute. But um, so um, what sort of reaction when you decided to go back to school? What kind of reaction did your spouse give you? Or um, I was very supportive. Um, and uh, I was talking about it for quite some time and uh, a lot of support. Um, it was more like just pursue your goals, pursue your dreams, uh, pursue what makes you happy. So completely supportive, both right. my husband and my children. Well, it's it's kind of amazing because there's usually a lot of well, what about us, <laughs> kind of thing. You know, you you had, if I recall, um, you've had a number of different kind of career paths. I have, or, I have. So this is their normal, actually. Uh, okay. I opened my first business when I was 29, and my kids were very small, so they're quite used to me working odd hours, being self-employed, and uh, kind of everybody jumping in. Okay. So it's not unusual for my husband to do uh, some of the traditional woman's roles, the, the cooking, the putting the kids to bed. And so it was more like... Uh, Does he have any siblings? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he does have one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's, uh, he was quite used to it. So it was very yeah. normal in my household. It was Which is brilliant. Household. Which is yeah. brilliant. I mean, I think men's roles are changing, but not, not fast enough. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not fast enough at all. Um, because, uh, you know, I, I see women that... They have two two careers. They have their career in the house, like the external and the internal careers. Yeah. You know, uh, mm-hmm. go outside the home, bring in the money, and then they they just come in and start cooking and doing all kinds of stuff with their kids. Yeah. No, men I'm don't. Lucky. You know, the average man. Let, let me the say generally, men don't. Yeah. Hi, honey, what's for dinner? Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Even oh. if they got home first. Often they haven't done anything. No, my husband is, is, if he sees the laundry needs to be done, he'll start it. I might continue it. So there was always somebody doing something. Um, right, right. It was always, it wasn't uh, uh, just waiting for uh, things for me to be done. He would jump in and do it to this yeah. day. Yeah. See, I see that as probably the biggest obstacle here. What about you, Kathy? Um, well, my situation is a little bit different. Um I did have a career going on before, and my, but a lot of it revolved around, everything revolved around my family, because I had a very flex career. Um, I did not work nine to five. I often would take sometimes the summers off, because I was able to do that within um, School what teacher? I did. I was, uh, <laughs> no, but I was, a, I was an agent, and also I was a, um, a freelance consultant, and so I structured things so that I was largely available for my family. Mm. And that was a priority. And to suddenly be going back to school um, meant I was no longer in charge of my schedule. 
I had to follow along and be at school when the school dictated, not when I dictated. I don't know Interesting why. Interesting use of words here, dictated. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, even taking phone calls, for instance, I wasn't even available for that. And, um, you know, much to their chagrin, because they did try to get a hold of me sometimes during school hours, and I wasn't taking the call. Mm. Um, they were supportive in some ways, but they they were a little mystified, I think, because um, my, especially my youngest, for whom school, he doesn't have a love of school, he sees it as a necessary evil, and he couldn't figure out why would you elect to go back to school if you don't <laughs> have to? And, you know, so That's when funny. I announced that, okay, kids, you know, this is what's happening in the fall, mom's going back to school, my two of them said, Why? <laughs> you really they're like oh I can hardly wait to be a grown up yeah yeah it was just we don't get it um, but it was it was a switch for everybody and while they I think supported it to some extent they definitely didn't understand um, and it was a big adjustment for everybody mm. um, that they kind of had to fend for themselves to a large extent and that I wasn't available for them 24-7 any longer yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. Well, and they're living at home, are they? Um, some of them are living at home. Some were. The, well, the eldest doesn't live at home. Okay. Um, That's good. Right at that age. <laughs> exactly. Um, so she was. She was thought that was great. How great for you to go back to school. Hmm. The ones that did live at home, two of them didn't live at home because they were away at university, and one did. Uh, and I went back to school. The timing was perfect because my last one was out the door, was going away to first year university. So he and oh, I perfect. started school at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Competition. But, <laughs> yes. But it also meant, you know, it was interesting because my daughter who was away out east was used to whenever she had an essay and it, that was my job, right, was editing. I mean, I wrote, that was one of the things that I did for a living was I wrote for others, I edited would send me her papers or ask for help when she was writing a paper. But all of a sudden, I was no longer available at the drop of a hat. You had mm. to schedule in a time with me. <laughs> and that didn't work so well when you're, she was up against the deadline. Right, right. You know, that, oh, my paper is due <laughs> imminently. And I, well, I'm in class. And actually, I'm writing an assignment of my own right now. Yeah, yeah. You should have got it to me a little sooner. So, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. It, was, it was interesting. But, you know, I was blown away by the amount of support I got from everyone from my family from friends my partner you know it was it was really amazing um the reaction that people had what about the reaction to what you're studying like to be psychotherapists uh that was very natural uh for me uh there was no surprise or shock with my children or my husband uh, oh okay this was something just kind of psychotherapy was alive and well living in your household well if most of the time whenever i'd read an interesting book that had to do with um any consciousness uh topics or spirituality and stuff i always shared those discussions Oh, okay. It'll be like a very common uh, dinner table conversation. Okay. It'll be something I read. Oh, this is interesting. So you weren't a closet spiritualist? Not at all. Okay. It's not unusual. Good for you. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> it, they would know that in the morning I'd get up early. They'd, uh, they'd know I'd meditate every day. And uh, my family does the same. Quite often we're very spiritual. Everyone has their own uh, type of individual prayer practices. Absolutely. And, uh, and meditation. And we have some really uh, great discussions. So for them it was very natural um, and kind of like, 
almost like a natural next step. So it wasn't a surprise. Really? Really? Okay. Because some people are kind of like, oh, my God, psychotherapy, mom (laughs) or dad. Yeah. What about you, Kathy? Uh, well, I already was the psychotherapist in the family. Okay. Uh, so Most people are really actually interesting enough. Right. So that's one of the skills that gets built up as a mother. Right. Right. That you're, especially when you have multiple children, that you're trying to help them communicate, you're trying to see them through things, they're difficult times. That part wasn't so much of a surprise for me to do that as anything else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What about the spiritual stuff? The spiritual stuff was a little bit more to explain. I shouldn't say stuff, but I mean, right. we're, so as we're soon all as the you same told, As soon as I told people where I was going, that I was going to, no one had heard of the Transformational Arts College. What? Um, <laughs> I Excuse say, me. Very few people. And as soon as you say that I'm studying spiritual psychotherapy and spiritual direction, then you get a lot of questions. Then they said, spiritual direction? Is that north? Exactly. <laughs> so it was very interesting to see the reaction for that. And I even had some friends who thought, um, who kept saying to me, well, when are you going to try out some of the stuff that you've learned? Because they thought as soon as you put in the word spiritual, that there was going to be all this crazy stuff. And I, meanwhile, I've been listening to your problems year after year. So guess what? We've already been doing it. Right, 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 right. Well, interestingly enough, you know, at the very beginning of the year, if you recall, I always ask, you know, how many people, uh, you know, is in your life that they come to you when they need something? And it's amazing, like 90% of the people, at least 90% of the people put up their hands. And then I say, now, would you go to them if you were in trouble or just needed somebody? Oh, hell no. Um, it's just like, you know, it's like this is your great unpaid caseload. Yes. Um, and, of course, you know, anyone who's in the helping professions cannot have people like that around us. Like a whole bunch of them, like we probably had entering into the profession because we need to be supported. Mm-hmm. Uh, ourselves and get energy and not be constantly giving all this energy away. You know, yes. what about for, what about sort of the next step out from your like immediate family, moving out into like parents and friends and just like this wasn't a surprise for them. They were cool with all this. Um, I would probably say with uh, with my parents, they probably thought and some friends, they probably thought I'm more headed towards the direction of uh, slowly winding down a career as opposed to starting up a new career. Uh, so, Kathy, what about you? Uh, was this viewed as possibly being a retirement for you? I don't know if my pa- my parents have never retired. First of all, my parents are very hardworking. My mom is almost 81, and she's a dentist. She's still practicing on a part time basis. So, retirement wow. isn't isn't exactly in their picture. Um, but I think that for the most part, friends of mine who are similar ages assume that our kids are growing up and we're winding down. Right. And it's time to enjoy and start traveling a lot and that kind of thing. So why on earth would you want to start a different career, much less go back to school and start yeah. training and start from the ground up? So I think they were a little bit surprised. Yeah, I, I think that... Um, you know, a lot of us are operating from sort of the old world, 65, you know. I mean, the only reason, that was such an arbitrary number when retirement uh, came around because we needed to create space in the workforce. And, of course, we had the war happening and all kinds of stuff uh, when when it came into being. But people who are, you know, 55 or like 35 with mm-hmm. some people, not everyone, with their energy, I couldn't even imagine, could not even imagine retiring. No, you know, neither could I. No, what would I do? No, you know, uh, 
maybe I could host two radio shows. Well, every day, you know, for an hour. Uh, um, but anyways, um, at this point, we need to take a break here. And uh, we're on Voice America. This is Things Worth Considering. I'm Gord Riddell, and we will be back in just two minutes. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you satisfied with your life? Do you know that more should be possible? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the creators of Access, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here. Our program offers pragmatic tools to change things in your life that you haven't been able to change until now. What if all of life could come to you with ease, joy, and glory? Tune in to Access Consciousness Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. The White House Doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back. Uh, this is Gordon Riddell at Things Worth Considering. I'm here with Kathy Yu and Stephanie Melagis, and we are talking about women who are making it for themselves in midlife, uh, both women here have uh, had careers, they have children, they have husbands, and they have decided to go back to school, which is a huge, huge thing to do, and uh, study for a brand new career path. So, um, you know, just just to sort of look at some some uh, statistics around this, women are now outnumbering men in, in higher education. Uh, in fact, um, 
women, women like seventy-seven percent enrollments when it comes to um, things like education and uh, health and related fields. Seventy-four in, in the healthcare field. Do you know that sixty percent of all incoming uh, uh, people to medical school are now women? I mean, if you consider that just like a hundred years ago, women did not get into medical school. Like it, they were nurses, you know. I mean, there was such, I mean, there's just such a growth in there. I mean, we have a, the very famous hospital here, the Women's College Hospital that came about in Toronto just to allow for women to become doctors as long as they practiced on other women, yeah. which is kind of an, an irony. I was born there, though. Uh, and it's a fantastic hospital. They uh, uh, are just ripped down the very old, old part of it. And uh, uh, I thought there'd be a plaque there for me, but again, it's not. It no. No. no, made it famous though. <laughs> um, you know, well, it's interesting, you know, because uh, I mean, there's a whole gender thing here. Of, you know, men prefer to go to uh, to a male doctor, uh, and you know, I have some friends that are like this this girl. <laughs> and it was like, you know, this was a woman who's gone through a lot of training. And I'm sure that, you know, women didn't feel the same way because you didn't have choices. Uh, but we're seeing seeing that difference happening uh, of men not appreciating women, you know, in the same way. Not that they don't trust them. They're just uh, they're just very uncomfortable because of their gender. Yes. Yeah. What's interesting, though, is in our program, our year, there were three men in our class and the remaining students were all women. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, women are much more likely to go into sort of that helping profession. There's, um, uh, you know, it's psychotherapy, it's healthcare, but there's, it's, it's kind of a little heartfelt, you know, it's like the empathy, compassion, all of those traditionally, I would say, feminine qualities, you know, whereas a doctor can come in and say, yeah, you broke your leg. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's look at this picture here. We can see what's broken. We just, you know, set that, put it in a cast, and off you go. Um, and you can't do that with mental health. No, we're talking about your feelings. And, oh, my uh, God. Yeah. Men don't know about that. No, no some men. I'm generalizing. There's, yeah. There is there is some movement. I think that the the thing is we're lacking, we're, we're lacking for men in order to yes. be able to do that shift. Yeah. I think what's allowed that I see as a male that's different is when the, the first round of the women's movement took place, men were not considered. And women are definitely considering men now and their partners and so on, but we don't have the resources in the same way that women have for each other. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not a lot of men who specialize in, you know, uh, uh, mental health just for men. There's some, but not really. Because women are more likely just like in medicine, to go and seek help. Men are like, tough it out. Hey, no, no, I'm not sad at all that my mother died. And well, for sure. They don't want to talk about if they're feeling depressed or they're they're sad or, you know, they you know have to put this brave, strong front on. And it's very difficult to talk about that you're feeling down. Well, I don't think there's any place in our society that teaches boys that, you know. Uh, where, you know, men, consoling men is, hey, let's go down to the pub and have a beer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's like, so did you have a talk with your friend? You know, uh, the spouse says, and it's like, yeah, we had a couple of beer, I feel better. <laughs> well, of course you do, because you just had some alcohol. Um, right. But really, talking talking is not, I think it's coming up, I'm watching it in the younger, younger group, mm -hmm. much younger group, like the, 
even younger than the millennials. I don't know what we're calling them yet, but post millennials. Um, but it's it's uh, it's still very difficult for men. We still have a very very strong socialization around the expectations on men. It's it's definitely there's a difference between our expectations for men and for women and the way in which they should conduct themselves. Yes, yes. I mean, I notice, I mean, being around women mostly is, uh, Gord, could you get this down? <laughs> could you, yeah. would you mind climbing up on the roof and getting, you know, whatever. It's like, I thought you wanted equality. You get up there. Yeah. Uh, I know that there's a musculature difference, uh, but it's, it's still, there's still that reliance upon when things go wrong, the male is put back in that protector role, which is really interesting. Well, generally, sure. I'm generalizing. I'm generalizing. For sure. One of the things I've been thinking about in terms of the whole returning back to school is, you know, even your questions about how did your family take it and how did I feel about it? There was a certain amount of guilt. I'm leaving my family to mm. go back to school for me. And when I think about it, guilt is largely a feminine feeling. Not that men don't feel guilty, but as far as the family goes, you know, women still go into that thought process as that they're the primary caregivers. Yes. So even if you work, you're still expected to come home and make the dinner. Yep. And I came from a family that was very, very, my, both my parents had great careers. They were both professionals. Um, my mother has more degrees than my father does even. And wow, yet she would come home from work. They would both come home from work. And my mother would have to cook dinner. <laughs> so here's this highly professional, highly educated woman who comes home and steps into the traditional female role. Exactly. So yeah. it was really interesting because when my mother was in her early 40s, after having gotten her master's and her PhD, she went back to school to dental school. She'd already gone to dental school in Korea, but had to go back in order to get licensed in Canada. And so for three years, she was gone to this expense intensive program. And my father was left to care for two kids. <laughs> so he had to come home from work and he had to make some of the dinner. And it was very interesting. Really, really. So your mother, in, in her 40s, so she, uh, gave up whatever she did, was as a PhD and went into dental school. Yes. So my mother has wow. quite an extraordinary story. She went to dental school when she was younger. She, Both my parents emigrated from Korea. She came to the States on a fellowship. So she was working as a dentist within hospital condition, you know, situations. Uh -huh. And then they moved to Canada for my father's career. And at that point, my mother looked into what would it take to get licensed in Canada and was told that because of the incompatibility in training, she would have to go back to dental school. It's a four-year program. They credited her with one year. And that would mean three years of intensive studying. And so $50,000. She had, she had a toddler and a newborn at the time. So there was no question that she would do that. So instead, my mother decides to go and get her master's and her PhD. Because <laughs> somehow that's easier. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe it's a little bit cheaper, but. So she did that. And she not only did that, but she did it in French, which my mother didn't speak French. So she had to learn how to speak French. And she, 
She wrote her dissertations in French, and oh, she wow. taught in French. She was. She you know, can we get her on this show? Yes. <laughs> I mean, she's an amazing, amazing example. Huge. She's a big role model, and you know, usually you think that kids outshine their parents, and that's not the case in my upbringing. My mother was just huge. You're still example. young, girl. <laughs> So it's been interesting because when I announced that I was going back to school, my mother was sort of surprised, but, you know, it's it's interesting. She said, oh, it's such a brave thing that you did. But meanwhile, she'd gone back to school and started yeah. a career as a 40-something-year-old woman. Wow. And I had an opposite in mine. My mother wasn't ambitious in career whatsoever, and she retired at 48. Really? Yes. Really? So it's the complete opposite. And, and now, they, they're they also immigrant. Everybody in yes. Canada is immigrants. Yes. My uh, immigrants from Croatia. From Croatia. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And uh, they both retired very young. My mother was 48. My father was 55. Wow. Yeah. Wow. They retired. So there was no example of uh, pursuing career or... Or any of that. Right, right, right. Yeah, my, my dad was uh, uh, quite young when a, a, a large European company bought out their company, uh, or his company who he worked for. Uh, he was a senior exec. And so suddenly he was retired, like with his huge buyout package and full pension mm-hmm. and benefits for the rest of his life and my mother's life at age 54. But then after a few months, it was like... So here's my dad with a, you know, this full pension and everything for him and my, the rest of my mom's life. And, uh, you know, he was just like, he couldn't stand it. He could not stand the sort of idea of being retired. Um, and he was a putzer. He was always doing something. And here it was like, you know, can you take me to the mall? Um, my mother saw it, I guess, as being together. My father was like, way too much. Um, but I think it's an area that's really under addressed is the lifestyle change of being around your spouse 24 hours. You know, I just told you my dad's story, but I bet you there's a mom story there that's like, get him out of my house. Uh, you know, or, or just as we, you know, work, work was created by God in order to keep us from being together 24 hours a day so that we could stay together longer uh, in our marriages. Uh, I'm joking, but am I? Um, I'm not sure what would happen if we were around our spouses 24 hours a day. 365. I, th- I think there's not enough planning for post-work. There's not enough planning for retirement. There isn't. Um, there isn't. Everything's about money. Yeah. You know, like you, you know, registered, you know, savings plans and pension plans and so on. And and that's what you see the banks doing and offering. But nobody's really offering that says, what is your lifestyle going to look like? Exactly. Not financially, mm-hmm. but in terms of being around your partner now yeah. 24-7. Yeah, the structure of the day is missing when you don't work. So how uh, are you going to fill that up? You can't mm-hmm. play golf 365 no. days a year. It might sound very attractive in the beginning, yeah. but you can't. You can't. No. no. You have to take into health considerations. Interest, interest change as you get older. Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And your energy levels change. True. Um, you know, all kinds of stuff. Actually, women get more energy, it seems. Uh, men are like, nah, I'll just sit here. You go and do whatever you need to do, honey. Um, <laughs> at least a playbook. That's what I keep saying. I think there's a lot of that is because um, a lot of time is consumed with housework and uh, running errands and looking after the kids and addressing those needs and the needs of the family. And so after that, when uh, the kids are able to do things on their own, all of a sudden you have a lot of free time on your hands. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you don't have children to take care of. Well, your husband never really leaves, though. He's the biggest child you have. 
that, <laughs> that is according up. to Dr. Young. <laughs> the one that never grows up and leaves home. Exactly. I, and the moment if something happens to you, God forbid, we'll immediately try and find a mother replacement too. <laughs> I have never heard my mother complain about my father so much as she has in recent years. Really? Yes. Sure. Well, you have to think that my parents had spent a lot of their time together, actually not together. They were busy running a household, raising a family, chasing down careers, doing all those things. And suddenly now they're together at home an awful lot. And so part of why my mother hasn't retired completely is because (laughs) going to her practice gives her some time away from my father. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's what I was saying about the whole thing of, you know, work keeps us apart in a good way, though. I think it's I think it's a good way. Uh, you know, when I see some people, you know, like going to Florida a lot and watching people sometimes that are older and they they sit there and nobody says a word. And that's one of the most horrifying things I could ever imagine happening, you know, is to sit at somebody and just or across from somebody and have nothing to say to them anymore, you know? And it's because they did the same thing all day. There was no, you know, without having those those outside uh, uh, interests, education. Uh, Sharing we, what happened in your day also. I, I think that's yeah. a huge mm-hmm. piece, you know, yeah. and having having different friends, sure. you know, all those kinds of things. But people, I think we settle into, into such a comfort zone mm-hmm. that it's very easy to have had your children and just, let them go off to school and you can just cozy in and have less housework. And I don't think that, well, neither of you honestly could ever do that. I could see that, you know, but you know, it's just, uh, I think that's what, what really hurts relationships because at around the 25 year mark, like, you know, they talk about the seven year itch. Mm -hmm. Then there's a 25 year old. Oh my God, who are you? Because you haven't spent any time together. And then when I do like your mom and dad, they, they drive each other crazy. Well, it's interesting because my mother has been spending a lot of time, I think, reflecting and looking back, you know, and reviewing their life. And so in those moments when she's feeling a little negative about my father, suddenly she starts talking about things past, you know, that, oh, your father was always so into working and I don't think he really, you know, took me <laughs> valued me in the way he et cetera, et cetera. Because you take my career as a dentist seriously. Yeah. Except for his teeth. So. <laughs> the best teeth on the block. Well, it's interesting because you talk, you asked me about support and my mother, when she came to Canada and she just realized she couldn't go to dental school. Well, I'm going to have to get you to hold that story because well, I do want to hear it. Uh, uh, we need to break here for uh, commercials. This is uh, Gord Dell. I am here with Kathy Yu and uh, Stephanie Milagis, and this is Things Worth Considering. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you satisfied with your life? Do you know that more should be possible? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the creators of Access, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here. Our program offers pragmatic tools to change things in your life that you haven't been able to change until now. What if all of life could come to you with ease, joy, and glory? Tune in to Access Consciousness Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. 
Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. The White House Doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back. This is uh, Things Worth Considering. I'm Gordon Riddell. I'm here with two fabulous women, Kathy and Stephanie. And we are talking about women who move from having a career and their children growing up into going back to school and starting a whole new life. So you were saying about your mom. Yeah, so I was saying that when my parents moved to Canada and my mom realized she couldn't go back to dental school, she definitely wasn't going to be a stay-at-home mom. That's just not in her DNA. So she went back and got her master's. And when she announced to my father that she was going to do this, apparently my father said, oh, you shouldn't be thinking about that because, you know, you're a mom now, you're older, (laughs) you're tired, you're probably going to fail. Wow. And my mother is fiercely competitive. She was always number one in her class. And apparently she turned to my father and just said, you know, the rebel in her came out and she said, fail. Like, I've never failed anything in my life. And it was almost like if my father hadn't said that, I don't think my mother might have gone back to school, but now <laughs> she, sure she was going to go back to school. <laughs> right. Like, why, why do I do what I do? Because someone yeah. said I couldn't. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so not only goes back and does her master's, does her PhD, and does them both in French, and then goes back to dental school. All because my father probably said, why bother? tried to discourage her. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. Do, you have, do you have that rebel streak? I definitely do. Yeah. But, you know, I come from a family... I come from, I'm an Asian, of an Asian background. So women are supposed to be a little more subservient and the softer sex. And traditionally, from my mother's generation, they were all 
stay-at-home moms yes. wives. Um, and so my mother still is somewhat traditional in some ways. So I was raised with this whole idea that, you know, women were supposed to do everything. And the things that we did better than men, we were supposed to sort of do quietly in the background. <laughs> Not let them know. Yeah. <laughs> Affairs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's interesting because everyone always talks about my father's story because my father's a theoretical scientist and he's this recognized genius. And, you know, so he's very widely revered and his story is talked about. But the reality is that my father was only a genius. Whereas my mother was this woman who was, you know, this high-powered career woman who's highly educated, more educated than my father even, and raised the family yeah. and took care of him. But nobody talks about her story. Well, it's interesting. I don't think the value is placed on the amount of work. That's what I said. Like, women have two careers. You know, there's the internal and the external. Uh, ones that are paid for and when you're not paid for. Absolutely. And it's just that huge expectation of, well, what about your family? Well, you know, because you want to go back to school. And I think that's why I th this is really important that, you know, on the show that we talk about this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, women, women are, and it's older women. This isn't, I'm not talking about women who are 21 years old. I'm talking about, you know, where you guys are at. You have your children. And now you're coming back, you know. And I think you're an important, you're one of the most important people, um, and I, I don't say this frivolously, is, is that you have to have a certain life experience and sort of lived on both sides of the train tracks to really help people, to really have that empathy, I think. You know, what, you know when a 20-year-old tries, you know, wants to apply here, they're a little young for me, you know, and I worry about that. There are certainly some very wise old souls out there, though. But the average person just doesn't have that life experience. What is a 50-year-old man sitting across, or a 50-year-old woman, across from a 20-year-old girl, basically, and they're not going to be able to relate. You know, they don't have that life experience. I think that life experience is really, you know, really crucial. Otherwise, it can be very brutal. People are like, really? I was expecting someone a lot older. Yeah. No, I agree. You can relate. It's very difficult if somebody's talking about um, their children and being a mother. And if you've never experienced that in your life, it's very difficult to relate to that. It is. Uh, absolutely. You know, and, and uh, or being and, married or having a long term sure. spousal commitment of some sort, even if it's not traditional marriage. Yes, you know. it's, it really helps to to be able to, how do you help somebody navigate that if you haven't uh, navigated that yourself? Yeah, now the argument to that would be, you know, do I need, really need to be schizophrenic in order to help schizophrenics? Yeah. You know, of course not. Yeah. You know, but I think that it's more of that movement from that childhood angst, you know, yeah. through, through our teenage angst into uh, uh, our 50-year-old angst. <laughs> for sure and processing our own things as we're going through and uh absolutely because your clients will throw it on the table for you for sure if you're yeah. you know you're going to get triggered all the time and you're very ineffective and you're not taking care of yourself even absolutely. remotely you know so that's why I, you know uh, you had brought up kathy about you know the class that you were that you graduated from that there was like three men uh and that's kind of the the rule of thumb, I'm the exception, you know, out, out there of the number of women sitting in a room when I go to a conference versus the number of men is like crazy, you know. I think a lot of times, sometimes maybe men feel like they're not taken seriously. or Men are not taken seriously? Yeah, I think they feel sometimes that they're not taken seriously, that they might appear that they're weak. 
Well, absolutely. I think there's there's a lot of stuff around that. I don't think that women are overly comfortable with men as well. Uh, they may love them and be their spouse and everything. But in terms of working at that very deep level, I think it's a very scary place yes. when men go into deep anger or even into deep uh, uh, crying and in uh, sadness or grieving uh, because you're not used to it. You never saw your dad do it. You have no role model for anything. That's right. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so whatever role models we have, of course, we can be rebellious against. But when it comes around to that emotional piece, women want to take care of dad, no matter how old the, the, the guy is, it's yeah. going through this. And so we'll want to just make sure he's OK, because really it's making her OK. That's right. Yes. If dad's OK, then you're OK. Right. So. You know, that that's one of those places that you really see if you haven't understood yourself where that's going to be, be interfered with. A woman, we all know women that cry. We're all fine with women crying. Anger, maybe not quite so much. But uh, not a man. Not a man when he, not a man in deep, deep sadness. And to do, you know, some sort of, depending on, you know, what modality you're working with and, or school of thought, uh, you know, working with certain traumas and so on, there is going to be that grief, that loss of violation or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I, I think that there really is, I, I, I mentioned this earlier on in the show, there is a, a real genuine, I think, movement towards creating men's resources in recognizing that we kind of left them a little behind. Uh, but it's, it'll, take, it'll take a couple of generations, I think, to yeah. be able to pull men into a place that, you know, therapy becomes normative. It, it, as required. I'm not saying everyone should be in it, but yes, they should. Uh, just to clean it up. And I think that uh, that's important, too. I know in my household, my husband is very expressive. He shares his feelings. And my children share their feelings as well. If they feel sad, even though they're, they're, they are males, uh, they do express themselves. If they're upset, if they're feeling sad, they do share their emotions. And I think that that is um, based on the example that's set by their father. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to have that male model, you know, uh, uh, growing up. I mean, I never hugged my father, maybe, maybe up to age four or Mm -hmm. five, you know, and then at some point it was like, Merry Christmas, son, shake the hand. And I'm like, what the hell is it? After I'd done therapy, I went home and I hugged him and he hugged me back. But I watched my brother still shaking hands. You know, that whole thing of hugging. Now, my nephew, though, having just done Christmas with my uh, my parents have passed away, but with my brothers and, and their children and their children, um, uh, we're not that old. But um, there is hugging there. My nephew hugs, you know, and I went, wow, that's a great model. So that means my brother changed it somehow I, you know, I with think, his children. I understand that. And, and I think that in my household, my husband definitely was um, – was the one that changed it. And I think that had a lot to do with the fact that I was working quite a bit and uh, I was outside the home quite a bit. Mm. So he stepped into that role. He was the dad that would also do the nighttime stories, uh, give the baths and do the the rituals and picking up from school. So our roles were interchangeable. So it could be mom today, it could be dad tomorrow, but he stepped in and did a lot of that stuff himself. So if there was talking to or um, they needed to be consoled or they're upset about something from school, he stepped into that role too. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So your, your sons are actually set up to be like the ultimate perfect husbands. I hope so. With a role model. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they're they're going to be lined up saying, marry me. <laughs> um, but I think men, men lack the models, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and we can be as close as we want with our moms. Yeah. I certainly was very close with my mom. Yeah. Well, I was close with my dad, but not in 
a way that was demonstrative, mm-hmm. you know, it was, uh, well, my mother was one thing, but my dad was, uh, um, you know, quite different. You know, yeah. He was, he was, the, he was the guy who made all the jokes. Yeah. Gee, where do I get that from? But I also have my mother's fieriness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's definitely a lot of mixed messaging. It's really confusing for young men growing up on what their role actually is. It's very confusing. But it's also very confusing for men, too, though. Don't forget that, you know, um, um, males. This is interesting. We're talking about males, yet this was a woman. It's supposed to be about women, the show. I'm just going, what? But it's an important area, and we'll have back, and we can always talk about women again. But the the white male, the white male, um, middle-aged, is at greater risk of suicide than any other uh, sort of demographic. And, and the reason being is, is that he has – the stoic father that he looks at, the no, no emotion, tough up, you know, mm-hmm. get through it. And then he sees his son or his grandsons, and they're very different. They're emotive, they're open, they express themselves, and he doesn't know. He's like 55 or 60. He doesn't know how to be. Mm-hmm. Is he the stoic? But he sees his modeling here, and he's very much stuck in the, in the middle. He doesn't have an outlet that says, this is what this might feel like, and sort of, you know, there's just not the resource there for that. That helps to have uh, uh, somebody in their life who's a psychotherapist to help them. <laughs> well, absolutely, but you got to get a guy to say you got that he has cold. Oh no, what that cough? No, nah, there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> Lung cancer. Uh, you know, men just don't do it. We're taught to, to men. Men are taught to to, which is why they're not going to school. You can mm-hmm. see that they go, they get a trade to support their their wife and, and children. Mm-hmm. That's what we're taught mm-hmm. is to be the provider no matter what, no matter how you do it. And so obviously is what can make a lot of money, a plumber, an electrician, a builder, you know, whatever, uh, and provide those services and the woman can take care of everything else. I'm not going to admit I have a broken foot. I'll just limp a little. That's not that I sprained it. I mean, it's like bone on bone. Yeah, I think a lot of times as um, over time we're, we were, um, letting our daughters know that they can do anything and be anybody. But I think we also need to let our sons know that they can also be and do anything as well. And exactly. And being a nurturer and being a caregiver and taking care of the family as well, not just financially, but emotionally as well. Yeah, and it's emotionally that they can go into emotionally based caretaking, you know, or caregiving uh, roles like nursing or psychotherapy or, yes. you know, uh, occupational therapy, all, all physio, all of these places that traditionally have been women. Mm-hmm. And you know, you see a male nurse and you go, what? We yeah, still do that, we still do that. a male yes. nurse. Mm-hmm. Yet, they're great, you yes. know, especially when we need male practitioners in the north of Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. women don't necessarily want to go up there and, and live in that environment. But mm-hmm. anyways, um, uh, I think you're absolutely dead on, you know, that, that we just haven't modeled. We were so busy making sure that women could, mm-hmm. could and especially our girls, yes. could, you know, be whatever they wanted to. We didn't tell the boys. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because one of the most common complaints that I hear is the fact that men aren't great at just listening and holding space for those feelings. They're so geared towards solutions. And let me tell you what you listen. Let me tell you what you need to do. That's a typical male response. Right. But some of it, I think, is because there's a discomfort with just sitting there and witnessing someone's feelings, right? Because men, they're not even good at 
bearing witness to their own feelings. We're human doings. You're a human being. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, I can't sit there. You know, I will get up and want to do things. Like, I'm a, I, I'm a fixer. I'm putzing around. Well, you see me around the school. I'm always doing something. Yeah. I'm a putzer, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and that's what my dad was. So to sit and hold space took a lot of training for me. I'm sure. You know, and I love it. I mean, that was, that's my gift, you know, uh, to have learned that. But it's a common complaint between couples. Yes. Where the wife wants to complain and say, oh, I'm so tired, or I'm frustrated, you know, and then the husband starts suggesting a million things. Yes, exactly. You could do this, this, do this. And really and truly, the wife just wants him to say, oh, you're tired. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, how to fix all of that. You know, we barely got into... Um, the whole thing of women returning. I would love to have you back sure. uh, to carry on this conversation. I think it's a really important conversation. I think it's an important conversation because you're you're very smart women, but you're also great moms, and and you can see the male and the female, and 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 the that need for both sides to be equally blended. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think this is our chance to finally take care of not only our women, but take care of our men Absolutely. as well, because men are dying as a result of mm-hmm. this, you know. Yes. So um, let me just uh, put out there, if you are in the Toronto area, uh, uh, tomorrow evening on uh, January the 10th, we have our Compassion Healing Circle. It is a free event. Uh, we only ask for a donation and uh, come out. We have meditation, we have chats, and we do energy work and just a great way to let go of the entire week and get back into yourself. So you're invited, 3300 Young Street, uh, Suite 302, and we are here from 7 o'clock till 9 o'clock on Friday the 10th. So you're invited, please come out. And Kathy, Stephanie, thank you so much for coming here. Thank you. And thank uh, you for- yeah, it was great. I'm going to have you back. Let's make awesome. Thanks, Gord. Thank you. And we'll see you or hear from you next week. Thank you for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jan Hill and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, Think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are.